and welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. My name is Sebastian Richard, and I'm glad you could join me for this episode where we begin a series uh, that I titled, As in the Days of Noah. So today will be part one, and in all honesty, I don't know if it's going to be a three-part series or a two-part series yet, but um, I have to say that the Lord has been really, really pressing on my heart that I need to talk about his return. I mean, there's too many things happening in the world right now uh, that seem to be really pointing that we are indeed in the last days of this current age. So uh, <clears throat> so tonight I wanted to share with you guys about the days of Noah. Now, we know, we know the story of the flood, like most of us who've been in church, we've heard it before. And uh, that's not what I'm going to go into per se, because I know that my listeners, I know that you guys are familiar with the story and uh, I, I don't want to rehash the story just for rehashing the story. Uh, but what I really want to look into is what were the days of Noah like? And the reason I want to do that is because of what Jesus told us in Matthew 24 in Luke 21, and maybe in Mark 13, I didn't look it up because I know these are kind of parallel passages. But let me just read to you from Matthew 24, where Jesus says this. It's in verses 37 through 39. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And in the parallel uh, passage found in Luke, uh, it's not Luke 21. I said Luke 21 earlier because I thought that, uh, anyway, I made a mistake. It's Luke 17. Verses 26 through 29, where Luke, where Jesus says uh, in a similar way, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. So obviously, Jesus is telling us basically, He's building a picture. He's, he's putting a picture for, for us to see that people didn't expect it. People were mocking. People, we know that, that from the story of Noah, that they didn't they didn't believe what he was doing. Like he was building this ship in the desert. It, for them, it made no sense. So he was a laughing stock. Uh, they they uh, they thought they were smarter than he was. They thought he, he had lost his mind. And for many believers nowadays. It's a lot like that. A lot of people think that uh, Christianity is a thing of the past because of all the scientific advancements that we now have. Uh, they perceive uh, Christianity, faith in, in God, faith in Christ as an old relic of times past. And we're warned in many places in Scripture that when uh, that there's going to be mockers and scoffers that come at the end of time, at the end of the age, that are going to be mocking these beliefs. And so it's going to be a lot like in the days of Noah. So what I want to do 
is look at how it was in the days of Noah. And for to do that, of course, there's the Bible. We're going to look, look at some verses in the Bible like we just began doing. But I want to delve in other books that are outside of our accepted scriptures because I think there are great clues that kind of um, open up the Bible for us, if you will. So it, it kind of uh, paints a bigger picture where we get more answers than what is written in the Bible. So we're going to look at other writings such as uh, the Book of Enoch and the Book of Jasher. We're going to look at these other uh, not accepted scriptures or outside the Bible. But nonetheless, very worthy writings to uh, to read and to uh, take account for. So we know things are bad today. I mean, if you've been watching the news for the last couple of years, you, you just know how crazy it's become, right? I mean, so obviously we are in very, very difficult times. And Paul said in the end times, in the, in the last days, difficult times will come. That's it. He wrote that to Timothy. And we are living those difficult times. And he, he gives a description of how men would be. And he's talking mostly about their character. So there's godlessness, there's mocking, there's uh, self-importance. There's all kinds of, uh, I, I think it's in, um, is it 2 Timothy? I think it's 2 Timothy chapter 3 or 1 Timothy chapter 3, but I'm not sure which, because um, I always mix up these two. One has to do with the characteristics of an elder and the other ones have to do with how the people will be in the end times. Anyway, so we know things are bad. Um, there's this vaccine passports that, have been, that are being pushed in certain countries. I have friends all over the world on social media and it's quite alarming to see what is going on in certain countries? Uh, I think there's. Uh, I have a friend, and I, I don't. Want, I don't want to uh, advance the, the that I know the country is from, but I, I think it might be Guatemala, but I'm not sure. But I have a friend in a foreign country, and just this week he he uh, he went to the mall, and he was not granted entry in the mall unless he had proof of vaccination. So the passports are starting to make their their entrance in our. Uh, the way we do things. So that's just one thing. Uh, so, but in order to know, to understand how it was in the days of Noah, we're gonna we're gonna have to, uh, like I said, to look outside of just the Bible and and dig a little deeper. And it's funny because it used to be the tagline of Thriving on Purpose, which was uh, digging deeper to climb higher. Well, that's what we're gonna do tonight. We're gonna we're gonna dig deeper. Uh, but let's just uh, go back and and, and uh, discuss what were we taught in Sunday school when we were taught about Noah and the flood and why the flood happened. What were we taught? What were we taught? Or never mind Sunday school, just regular church. Well, here's what we're taught usually: that Noah was a just, upright, and moral man in a bad generation. That's one of the things we were taught. We were taught that he was told to build an ark and him, his family, and the animals were spared. And these are not false. They're, they're true things. These are basically the, the big lines of the story of Noah. But if you dig deeper, if you look at the Bible, we uh, we there's a lot more to that story than him just being a, a good person in a corrupt generation. So we're told from Genesis chapter 6, that God wanted to destroy man 
Of course, because man was sinful, but what kind of sin sinfulness are we talking about? Because men are sinful today too. So what are we talking about? Well, uh, in Genesis 6, verse 7, uh, God wants to destroy beasts and fowl of the air and creeping things. In verse 9, we are told that Noah was perfect in his generations. Oh boy, now that's a, that's, that's a mouthful right there. Generations, plural. See, the way we're taught this story is, well, Noah was just moral and perfect in his generation. In other words, in the uh, among his com contemporaries. But that is not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that he was perfect in his generations. So what does that mean? We're also told that the earth was also corrupt. The earth was corrupt. So the ground was cursed, basically. All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. That's in Genesis 6, verse 12. All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Now, this is interesting. We're talking about the flesh here, corruption of the flesh, not moral corruption, not sinfulness. And we're also told that the earth is filled of violence, in verse 13, through them. Through them. Who is the them that is being referred to here? Well, the them that is being referred to here is the people from Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, which tells us in Genesis uh, for verses uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, we're told that the sons of God saw the daughters of men and they became enamored with them and they basically chose from them, among them, to, to become wives. And from, the, from that union, from that illicit union, was born giants. And then we're told in verse 4, there were giants upon the earth, that these were the uh, men of renown, heroes of old, and etc., etc. So we're told about these beings that were born from an illicit union between the sons of God and the daughters of men. And there's a lot of exegesis, there's a lot of commentaries, there's a lot of Bible teachers that have commented on that passage. Some have said, uh, oh, the, the sons of God were the sons of Seth, the descendants of Seth. And, and they, they tried to, to basically make this appear more normal than it really is. But it was a really abnormal uh, thing happening in the earth in those days. And in Genesis chapter 6, we don't get that much detail about it. And that's why we're going to look at the book of Enoch. We're going to look at the book of Jasher because we get a lot more. It's like a microscope that kind of focuses on Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and really blows it up for us so we can understand what was going on in the days of Noah or preceding the flood. So it, we're told in verse 13 that the earth is filled with violence through them. So that's referring to the Nephilim, which were the progeny or giants, if you will, that were born of these women who had a, a, an illicit union with fallen angels, fallen angelic beings or, or heavenly beings. 
So like I said, we're going to look at Enoch. We're going to look at Jasher to understand a little bit more what happened there. So the sons of God are the angels who left their first estate. We're told that in the book of Jude, the last little tiny book right before Revelation. We're told that angels left their first estate. Their children that they had, so in other words, they, 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 they came down on the earth and they left their estate. They became physical beings. Their children were hybrids hybrids they were giants they were mighty men men of renown the bible tells us and and these beings rose to prominence because they had superior physical ability but they also had superior intellectual ability and and these giants began to teach men all kinds of stuff the kind of stuff that was taught to them by their fathers who were the, like I said the fallen angels so they had these hybrid kids but these hybrid kids started teaching the men all kinds of stuff okay and so including the fallen angels and the hybrids they started teaching men uh forbidden knowledge stuff that God didn't want human beings to know why well it's quite simple if you're a, if you're a parent and you've had kids you know that when they are a certain age, you don't want them to play with matches or you don't want them to get close to the stove uh, or you don't want them to play with gasoline. I mean, there are certain things you don't want your small kids to do. Why? Because they don't have the capacity, the mental capacity to assess the dangers or the potential dangers of the risks involved with what they might be touching. So there's certain knowledge, there are certain things that you keep away from them for their own good. Same thing with God. There were certain things that he wanted to keep away from Adam kind that these angels infringed upon and they still gave that, that hidden knowledge, that forbidden knowledge to mankind to their own detriment. We're talking about, uh, in the book of Enoch, it talks about metallurgy. So the, the use of metals, making weapons, witchcraft, jewelry, the making of jewelry, makeup, astrology, and warfare. But we're going to read. We're going to read from the Book of Enoch. I'm going to read to you passages that are confirming this. So there's. It's not about. See, uh, knowledge is neutral, but whoever's hands knowledge or whoever's minds knowledge gets into, uh, the, the 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 captain of the ship, if you will, he's the one that can make knowledge a corrupt thing. And in the case, like I said, of, of forbidden knowledge. For mankind at the stage they were at back in those days, and I'm not saying it would be any better today, but I'm, I'm saying that they that was being infringed upon. It was something that God didn't want man to know. Is it something he would have revealed later on? I don't know, but I just know that at the time it was not supposed to happen. So in Enoch chapter 69, verse 12, we read this, the book of Enoch. And by, by the way, guys, um, I'm not going to go on a uh, diatribe. Is the book of Enoch, should the book of Enoch be included in the scriptures or not? Uh, I want to make a parenthesis here because I think it's so important. A lot of us are like, well, the 66 books of the Bible is all we need. And yet those 66 books weren't always 66 books. I mean, the King James was written in 1611. The 1611 King James has uh, something like 72 books. 
in the same so there's the apocrypha in there so back then these books were seen as as on equal footing with the rest but then they were chosen out and and all throughout if you look at the church history and the books that were included and taken out of the bible there's been like waves right and decisions made and all kinds of stuff we we ended up with 66 for a couple of centuries but uh, it wasn't always like that and there's certain parts of the world or even certain denominations that have more books that included them in their bibles and they are believers they are christians they to be called that name so there's things here that i'm, I'm not going to get into personally i've read the book of enoch and i i gotta say i really love it and and when you read those scriptures that are not accepted scriptures let's just call them that unaccepted scriptures when you read those read them the way you would read any good christian book you you like we buy christian books all the time right written by all kinds of authors when you read a christian book do you always agree 100 with the author well i sure hope that you don't that's that's my personal take on it i don't agree with anybody Whoever wrote a book, a hundred percent. There's always little discrepancies, little things, little points that where, where you'll disagree. And what do you do? Well, what do you do when you read a Christian book? You, you rely on the guidance of the Holy Spirit as you read the book to learn to be guided into to more levels of knowledge, more levels of spiritual knowledge, spiritual understanding. And you rely on the Holy Ghost as you read that book. Well, it's the same thing with these quote-unquote uh unaccepted scriptures, uh, pseudepigrapha, apocrypha. When you read these books, read them the same way. Uh, always have your, as a reference, the 66, the, the, the books of the Bible, the, the, the canon. It's always a good thing to see how does this measure up with, with the canon. The canon means measuring stick. So it's a measuring stick. So you measure everything else by it. So if you read the book of Enoch, how does it compare to Daniel, let's say other apocalyptic literature, Daniel or Genesis or um, uh, the, the sayings of uh, Jesus in Matthew 24 and, and Luke 21. How does it compare to that? Does it compare to that? Are there things that you're going to read in there that are going to add to what you already know from the scriptures? And the answer for me has been yes. And I just recommend that you, you read these books that way. Rely on the Holy Ghost. Read it with an open mind but don't put them on the same uh, footing as you would the rest of scripture. Okay. I'm glad I clarified that because I think it's important. Okay. So Enoch 69 verse 12 says this, and the fifth fallen angel was named Kasdija. Oh, by the way, these fallen angels, they have really weird names in the book of Enoch, but it's, it's interesting because I've noticed a lot of them in their name have the uh, two, two letters L. L, like Michael, E-L, uh, Gabriel, E-L. L is basically a, a short term for God. So it means God. So it's interesting. So, but not this one. So this one was named Kasdija. This is he who showed the children of men all the wicked smitings of spirits and demons and the smitings of the embryo in the womb, that it may pass away, and the smitings of the soul, the bites of the serpent, and the smitings which befall through the noontide heat. 
Now, we're talking here about in Enoch that these angels taught men abortion. These fallen angels taught men about abortion. You know how they say there's nothing new under the sun? Solomon said that in Ecclesiastes. Well, there it is, folks. There it is. So let me read that to you again. Kasdija, this is he who showed the children of men all the wicked smitings of spirits and demons. Now, it's interesting here because we always think that, that demons uh, are, are, um, are in league with fallen angels and Satan and all that. But there's hierarchies in there and they don't always play bat for the same team. It's very interesting. And the smitings of the embryo in the womb, that it may pass away. Now we're like, okay, so they taught men abortion, but why? Why did that happen? Well, this is very interesting because now the book of Jasher gives us even more light about why that was going on. And you're going to see parallels with today, and it's mind-blowing. But we're talking about how it was in the days of Noah. And the days of Noah were the days preceding the flood. And like I mentioned earlier, there was these unions of fallen angels and women that gave birth to progeny, which were the, the Nephilim or giants in the earth who were very powerful men with great knowledge. Now, check this out. In Jasher, chapter 2, verses 17 to 22. This is going to blow your minds. And Lamech, the son of Methuselah, became related to Canaan by marriage. And he took his two daughters for his wives. And Ada conceived and bare a son to Lamech. And she called his name Jabal. And she again conceived and bare a son and called his name Jubal. And Zillah. Her sister was barren in those days and had no offspring. So far, nothing spectacular. Now, here's verse 19. Very interesting. For in those days, the sons of men began to trespass against God and to transgress the commandments which he had commanded to Adam to be fruitful and multiply in the earth. Oh, now that's interesting. What happened there? Verse, verse 20. And some of the sons of men caused their wives to drink a draught, so a liquid, a potion, that would render them barren in order that they might retain their figures and whereby their beautiful appearance might not fade. So this was the first contraception. The first contraception that the, the was meant to keep women barren and because the men wanted, they didn't want them to lose their figure. And when the sons of men caused some of their wives to drink, Zillah drank with them. And the childbearing women appeared abominable in the sight of their husbands as widows, whilst their husbands their husbands lived, for to the barren ones only they were attached. How awful is that? So the childbearing women were be becoming rejected by the men who found them 
less sexy than those who had uh, drank that that potion, which made them barren, which blocked the commandment of the Lord. See, nothing new under the sun. And I'm not saying contraception is wrong. There, there's a time and a place for its usage, and, and we know how it works. But it's just to show that there's nothing new under the sun. And that, that, that was being used back then. And we read about the uh, the abortion. And if I'm not mistaken, there was also a passage, and I didn't jot it down, but there was, if I'm not mistaken, there was also, maybe you guys will, maybe some of you have read uh, Jasher and may remember uh, what that passage would be, but uh, I think there was a passage about abortions there as well. But now I want to continue reading from Enoch. And I know tonight is very strange for, for some of my listeners. They're like, well, why is reading Enoch? Like, that's not in the Bible. And... This is confusing. Is it? Well, you know what? For some of you, some of you are going to light up with this. Some of you are going to be like, I needed to know this. I wanted to know this. And thank you, Lord, that I fell on this broadcast. Now, now I know this. And for some of you, it's going to be something that you're just not ready for. And, and you wanna, you're going to want to skip that. You're, you're not going to like it. And that you know what? That's fine, too. You know, to each his own. And, and we are not all in the same place in our walk with the Lord. For some of us, and, and I've been in all kinds of places in my walk with God, believe me, and, and there were times when if anyone would have mentioned to me the book of Enoch, I would have said, that's not in the Bible. Don't talk to me about that. You know, and I've been there. Uh, but I need, I feel that I needed to share this with you guys because I, I, I think that my audience is mature enough to handle this. So chapter six of Enoch. I'm going to read, and, and the chapters in Enoch are kind of weird because some of them are like, they have like three lines, like kind of like Psalm, uh, is it 117? No, 100, that's really short, or 117. Anyway, there's a couple of Psalms that are really short. So some of the chapters in Enoch, I like that. They're, some of them are really, really short. So if I tell you I'm going to read Enoch's, uh, Enoch chapter 6 through 9, that might sound intimidating, but it's really not that bad. So I'm going to read it for you guys because so, there's a lot of stuff in there that is reminiscent, that brings us back to Genesis chapter 6, to the days before the flood, to the time of Noah. And what do we want to figure out? What we want to find out is what it was like in the days of Noah. And are we living in days that are like the days of Noah? Because that's what Jesus said it would be in the end time. So let's see how they lived. What, what was going on back then? And Enoch really sheds light about this. So Enoch chapter 6, let's start there. And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. Now, now you're going to see the parallel between uh, Enoch 6 and Genesis 6. And the angels, the children of heaven. So see, Enoch goes really straight at, at it. See, in, the, in, the, in Genesis, we're told the sons of God. And that kind of causes confusion. That's why theologians have argued about who the sons of God were and all that. But Enoch just says the angels. He calls them the angels. And the angels, the children of heaven, saw and lusted after them and said to one another, Come, let us choose us wives from among the children of men and beget us children. And Semjaza, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear ye will not indeed agree to this deed. And I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. So, See, the angels, they're having this meeting, uh, the, the, this group of angels, and Semjaza is their leader, so he's the highest ranking one, and, he, and he's kind of in charge of that meeting. And he's saying, look, guys, 
if you guys are not in on this, I'm going to be the only one paying the price for this great sin. They knew that they would become fallen. They knew that by doing this, it was over. It was game over for them. And they all answered, they all answered Semjaza and said, let us all swear an oath and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecation upon it. And they were in all 200. So there were 200 heavenly beings making that covenant, that, that, uh, not, not covenant, I don't, like, I don't want to use the word covenant, but uh, making that uh, agreement. Who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And these are the names of their leaders. Now I'm going to read the names of these uh, angels, these fallen angels, which descended upon the earth to choose wives among women. Uh, and you're going to see like there's a lot of these L's. It's very interesting. So Semi-Azaz, their leader, Ari, Arakiba, Ramiel, Kokabiel, Tamiel, Ramiel. So there's Ramiel, and then there, there's Ramiel, I-E-L. Danel, Ezekiel, Barakwijal, Azael, Armaros, Batarel, Ananel, Zakiel, Samsapil, Satarel, Turel, and I'm probably massacring the pronunciation here, so please forgive me. Uh, Jomjael, Sariel, these are their chiefs of ten. These are their chiefs of ten. Now, chapter seven of the book of Enoch. And all the others together with them took upon them unto themselves wives. So they did. They did the act. They did it. And each chose for himself one. And they began to go in unto them and to defile themselves with them. And they taught them. Now here here begins the teaching. What they taught them. They taught them charms and enchantments, and the cutting of roots. Now this is what we call today white magic. The cutting of roots and made them acquainted with plants, and they became pregnant, and they bare gi great giants, whose height was 3,000 L's. Now, uh, according to this text, some of them bore giants that became so huge that it's hard to conceive. Uh, I, I, 3,000 L's, I think there's another uh, translation of Enoch, that mentioned how many, um, what, what do you call this? Uh, in French, it's coup de, from, from the hand to the, the, to the elbow. Anyway, it was a unit of measurement. And in another translation of the Book of Enoch, it says that they measured 450 of those, which is an astron astronomical size. Uh, like I said, when you read it, we know they found skeletons of giants. By like, mind you, that's all over the place. You wanted research archaeology, forbidden archaeology, not the not the traditional archaeology you're taught in school, but the forbidden archaeology, the stuff that they tried to hide. There's been a giants found in North America. There's been giants found all over the world, uh, ranging anywhere between seven feet tall, uh, for the smallest ones, 
to I think 36 feet tall to the bigger ones. So there's definitely been these cases of humanoid giants found, okay? But these 450 feet tall ones, I, I have a hard time wrapping my, my head around this, but uh, it even there's even more, um, uh, I don't know if I'm going to read from that particular passage where they talk about these, and I think there were two brothers that were that tall. Um, they ate cattle and they ate humans and all that. It was pretty impressive. Was Did that really happen? I, I'm not 100% sure, but I know there's definitely giants that were born from these women. The Bible tells us, and the Book of Enoch confirms this, okay? Just so, just to, so you know this, okay. So, uh, okay, the, the, whose height was 300,000 uh, L's, who consumed all the acquisitions of men, and when men could no longer sustain them, so they ate everything. They ate so much. And it, it can be understood if they're that really that tall. Yeah, they would, they would do that. The giants turned against them and devoured mankind. So they, they became cannibals. They, so they, these, these giants were so gigantic, they ate cattle like we would eat a cookie. And then they, when they couldn't, when they had consumed the sheep and the oxen and all that, they turned to men and they committed this horrible stuff. And they began to sin against birds. Now, this is interesting. Uh, when it says they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish. Now, there we know that there's devouring there. So was the sin because they ate those unclean animals? Or is it because there was some mixing of the genes there going on or some crazy stuff? We're going to look into that more as we go. So they began to sin against birds, beasts, and reptiles, and fish, and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. So we're talking about the worst abominations you could imagine from these uh, cannibalistic giants. Then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. So what you need to understand is when there's innocent blood shed, the Bible teaches us that when innocent blood is shed, the ground becomes accursed. And when the ground becomes a curse, the earth lays accusation. So that there, the sound of the earth comes up to the heavens. So there's accusations being um, done against these lawless ones. Enoch chapter 8. And Azazel taught men. Now here's the knowledge, the forbidden knowledge I was telling you about earlier. And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them, and bracelets and ornaments and the use of antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids. Isn't that interesting? Mascara, anyone? Maybe it's, maybe it's her, maybe it's Maybelline, or maybe she's born with it, maybe it's Maybelline, yeah. Well, that was taught by the fallen angels. Think about that for a second. Isn't that interesting? I remember I looked at a documentary when I was younger. It was Desmond Morris, I think his name was. He was a famous anthropologist who examined all the um, human behavior when it came to seduction and all that. And he went from different cultures of the world and examined all that. And uh, the, the makeup, uh, how it was basically uh, lipstick and the beautifying of the eyelids and all that. It was made to simulate sexual arousal. Um, 
so as in and I remember when we first started dating me and Elizabeth, I had these interesting facts that I was discovering, I was getting excited about, and I would share that stuff with her. And she said, What do you think of makeup? I said, Did you know that makeup was actually invented or, or shown to mankind by fallen angels? <laughs> and I was all excited by that. But it's actually true. Uh, when a female is aroused, uh, the blood vessels in her lips fill up so the the lips become more red so when she puts on lipstick she simulates sexual arousal same thing with the the beautifying of the eyelids uh, that is made to bring focus into the eyes uh even on on magazines it's interesting because uh vogue magazines are are these fashion magazines that you see in the stores did you know they retouch the pictures if it's a face if they, if it's a, a a face that's on the cover of the magazine and they, it's a close-up they're going to retouch the eyes to dilate the pupils so they're going to make the pupils very large do you know why they do that on fashion magazines do you know how why they retouch it like that it's because during sexual arousal a woman's pupils dilate or a man's pupil do that too but they dilate why because the object of her affection here's how it works when you look at someone you love or at something you it could be a, a beautiful sunday a dairy queen if you're looking at something that you desire your eyelids dilate why do they dilate to let in more light so that you can you can take it all in so that you can take more in of what you are looking at so they do that on these fashion magazines to simulate that. Well, just a parenthesis here. I thought you'd find that interesting. I'm just sharing that with you because it, it has to do with what we're, what we're learning here from the book of Enoch, right? So uh, so the art of working metals, bracelets, and ornaments. So, so uh, basically jewelry, uh, the beautifying of the eyelids, and all kinds of costly stones costly stone so basically see that's it's interesting because in the new testament uh peter tells the women do not adorn yourselves with all that stuff you know the the, the jewelry and the, the beautifying of the, making yourself so beautiful on the outside pay more attention he's not saying don't do it at all but he's saying do don't don't pay attention to that that much but more to the, the beauty of your heart and your mind to be uh, Christ-like. That's the thing that as a woman you should pay attention to. And it's interesting because it, it goes counter to what the angels were teaching women. Because don't forget, they were basically indulging in their own sin. Why did the angels leave their first estate? It was to, to basically, let's, let's be blunt here, was, and I hope there's no kids listening, but... Uh, and if there are, you might want them out for, for this broadcast. But it was basically to have sexual relations with these women. That's what they wanted. They, so they, they said, hey, let's leave our, our first estate and, and have wives. So that's they, they were it was lust. Okay, so what else? Uh, okay, coloring. Oh, boy, it continues, man. Uh, all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinc tinctures. And there arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication, and they were led astray and became corrupt in all their ways. Sanjaza taught enchantment, enchantments, so basically witchcraft, and root cutting, 
our marrows, so root cutting, I, mean, I mentioned that has to do a lot with uh, the use of drugs and with plants and, and white uh, magic and all that, potions and stuff. Our marrows, our marrows, I don't know how to pronounce it, the resolving of enchantments, Barakwi Jal taught astrology, interesting, Kokabel, the constellations. Now we wonder oftentimes uh, uh, why the, these uh, structures, the pyramids of South America or the pyramids in Egypt, why are they so perfectly aligned with the stars? And why is the sun coming in at a certain angle during the day, doing a certain thing on the wall? And well, these things were all taught, uh, the people who built them. And I, I actually think that they, they probably had help in building these structures from those uh, Nephilim. Uh, okay, where was I? So the constellations, Ezekiel, the knowledge of the clouds, Araquiel, the signs of the earth, Shamziel, the sign of the signs of the sun, and Sariel, the course of the moon. And as men perished, they cried, and their cry went up to heaven. Obviously, the power of these beings, both physically and intellectually, was overwhelming. And they abused of their power, and men were perishing under their rule. But as men were perishing, their cries went up to heaven. Chapter 9. And then, now it really gets interesting. And then Michael, Uriel, Raphael, and Gabriel looked down from heaven and saw much blood being shed upon the earth and all lawlessness being wrought upon the earth. And they said to one another, the earth made without inhabitant cries the voice of their crying up to the gates of heaven. And now to you, the holy ones of heaven, the souls of men make their suit, saying, suit as in lawsuit, saying, Bring our cause before the Most High. So they want this brought to the courts of heaven. They've had enough. The, the men who are perishing under the rule of these fallen uh, Nephilim, they've had enough. And they said to the Lord of the ages, Lord of lords, God of gods, King of kings, and God of the ages, the throne of thy glory standeth unto all the generations of the ages, and thy name holy and glorious and blessed unto all the ages. Thou hast made all things, and power over all things hast thou. And all things are naked and open in thy sight, and thou seest all things, and nothing can hide itself from thee. Thou seest what Azazel has done, who hath taught all unrighteousness on earth and revealed the eternal secrets which were preserved in heaven, which men were striving to learn. Now, this is interesting. This is, see what I said earlier. So these were, this was forbidden knowledge, but I'm not saying that it was forbidden for all, for forever. The men were striving to learn them. And I think that Yahweh, that God wanted to, to see men grow in knowledge gradually, mature from generation to generation. And, you know, the Bible says that is the glory of God to hide, to conceal a matter. 
but it is the glory of kings to seek out and search out a matter. Well, I think this is a kind of a thing that was kind of going on there. It was interesting, but it, but it came too fast. It was too much, too soon, too fast. So uh, the men were striving to learn and send Jaza to whom thou hast given authority to bear rule over his associates. And they have gone to the daughters of men upon the earth and have slept with the women and have defiled themselves and revealed to them all kinds of sins. And the women have borne giants, and the whole earth has thereby been filled with blood and unrighteousness. And now behold, the souls of those who have died are crying and making their suit to the gates of heaven. And their lamentations have ascended and cannot cease because of the lawless deeds which are wrought on the earth. And thou knowest all things before they come to pass. And thou seest these things, and thou dost suffer them. And thou dost not say to us what we are to do to them in regard to these. For the angels are saying to Yahweh, what are we going to do? What's going on? Like, what, what's your plan? Holy, holy Father, holy God, what is your plan? Are you going to let this run its course? Or are you going to intervene? And we know from the story of Noah, that God chose to intervene, and with a very mighty hand as well. Now, I want to read to you from Jasher, chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, because I thought that uh, this was very relevant and interesting. And their judges and rulers went to the daughters of men and took their wives by force from their husbands, according to their choice, and the sons of men in those days took from the cattle of the earth, the beasts of the field, and the fowls of the air, and taught. Now, this is very interesting. Again, we're going another direction here because Jasher gives us more light. Okay, uh, what the days of Noah were like. And why am I pointing to this? Because it's, it's so, we're going to see so many parallels with what we're doing today. How we're messing things up today in such a similar fashion. So I'll keep going here. Uh, so they took from the cattle of the earth, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air and taught the mixture of animals of one species with the other in order, in order therewith to provoke the Lord. And God saw the whole earth and it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted its ways upon earth, all men and all animals. And the Lord said, I will blot out man that I created from the face of the earth, yea, from man to the birds of the air, together with cattle and beasts that are in the field, for I repent that I made them. Now, this is, this is Genesis all over again. This is the story of Noah. We've read this in Genesis. The whole earth had corrupted its way. All of creation. Now, what's interesting is that these fallen angels taught men how to mix the, the genes of cattle with human, of cattle with different types of cattle, of all kinds of animals and birds and and. So they 
did they created what we're just calling in the Bible chimeras. So mixing of the genes and that, dear friends, we have tons of in today's world uh, in deep underground military bases. We're going to talk more about it in the next episode, but uh, suffice it to say for now that we know there's a ton of those experiments going on in government black projects in the United in the United States for sure, but also in Canada and in other countries of the world. There are these experiments being uh, run where there are abominations that are being created using a corruption of God's creation. So when you obviously if you mix, if you try to create a super soldier and you mix a man with a grizzly bear. I mean, you've seen maybe the, the movie The Island of Dr. Moreau, right? It was science fiction. It was it was crazy. I mean, when it came out, I think it was came out the first one came out in the 70s, right? And then there was that remake that wasn't so good with Val Kilmer. But the point is, uh, it's not science fiction. See, well, a lot of the stuff that, that, that we see in Hollywood is, is stuff that they uh, they feel obliged to tell us because they're under a certain code where they have to give us this truth. Uh, but it's so much easier to give it to us when it's under the guise of science fiction. Hey, it's not real. It's movies. So they kind of have to tell us. So they use movies to do that. But the point is, it's been going on. These mixing of different genes, animals with humans, and all kinds of abominations. I, 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 uh, I remember hearing an interview maybe 10 years ago about a super soldier a first-generation super soldier who had uh, became a whistleblower, basically, and he was telling of all these experiments going on in the, the black projects and the deep underground military bases, and he said, I'm first-generation, but now they're up to the fifth generation of super soldiers, so the experiments kept going on and on and on, and now the super soldiers uh, are fifth generation. What they can do is astounding. I mean, I was a, a basically a a sketch compared to what they these guys can do now. Uh, two of them can flip up a tank. I think I looked it up. A tank is uh, depending on the, the the model, but can it can reach fifty tons or something like that? It's extremely heavy, heavy, heavy. So two of these super soldiers could flip a tank. Now that's scary, and you got to wonder what what these beings these. Uh, humans, I don't know if they're modified humans, like pre-existing people that are like taken soldiers, real soldiers taken in a lab and experimented upon, or if they're clones that are then uh, injected with a spirit, uh, an evil spirit, a demon that takes possession of the body. But all this to say, we're, we're dealing with a level of corruption of flesh and of, of experimentations that is going on that most people are not aware of. It's not science fiction anymore. So the Bible tells us that in the days of Noah, all flesh had corrupted its way. And we're going to look uh, more about that in the next episode. I don't want to give too much in this first episode because we're already at 52 minutes. So basically when Jesus said that when he would return, it would be, as in the days of Noah. It would be the same as it was in the days of Noah. He wasn't kidding. Now, we saw that in the days of Noah, there were abortions. There was contraception. 
there was fornication of all kinds, all kinds of fornications. Uh, there was a mixing of human human uh, DNA with all kinds of other creatures. They were they were messing with that big time. And the Bible tells us that all flesh was engaged in that. And the Bible also tells us that Noah was a man who feared God, but he was also perfect in his generations. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. He was 100% human. He was a, a, a genuine descendant of Adam whose DNA had not been corrupted. So he was perfect in his generations. He was still 100% human just the way God intended. So that's why he picked him and his family to be on that ark. Because when he was going to do a reset with humankind... He wanted to be 100% pure human DNA kind. So this is very interesting. So Noah fulfilled, by being who he was, three criteria. Number one, he was a just man. He was a man of God, a man who followed Yahweh, a man who loved God and who wanted to walk in his ways. That's number one, and that's what we're taught in, in, in church and, and uh, Sunday school, right? Number two, he walked with God. The Bible tells us that he walked with God. He, went, he was in a, not just a moral, he didn't just fear God, but he walked with God. He was in a covenant relationship with the Most High God. He was in a covenant relationship. It was basically saying to God, look, I understand that I'm who I am in this generation, and Lord, I want you to use me in this generation for your will. That's a covenant relationship with God. And number three, as I mentioned, he was perfect in his generation. So he was genetically untainted by hybridization. There was no hybridization in his body. That is why God picked Noah. And that is what most of us are not really taught. So from Adam to Noah, there was no mixing or altering of his seed. He was indeed perfect in his generations. And, you know, Hollywood made a movie, uh, was it like 10 years ago, with Russell Crowe about Noah. And even the producer at the time, said this is the least biblical movie of all biblical movies. And it was an aberration. I mean, any Christian, I didn't even see it, but I, I had brothers and sisters who had seen it, and they I had an earful of what they had to say about the movie. It was crap. It, was, it really was. And uh, the reason, see, Hollywood knows what really happened in the days of Noah. They know. They know more than... Let's be honest, they probably know more than most average churchgoers what really went on in, in the days of Noah. They probably know more. Now, the reason they're not making a really accurate, biblical, super uh, good movie about the life of Noah, you know what it is? Why? Because it would condemn the heck out of our contemporary society it would condemn them they'd be like shooting themselves in the foot 
because here's what the true Noah movie would actually show us, okay? Because at the beginning, you'd see Noah in this perverse generation, and, and, and it would lead up to the ark and, and the building of the ark and the flood, right? But it would condemn abortion. It would condemn homosexuality. It would condemn bestiality. It would condemn GMOs. Because, and that's another thing that, that they like to do in Hollywood. They, whenever they show us Noah, they basically show us a caveman type, super uh, uh, unevolved guy, right? Like they, they lived like they were dumb, right? They, they had their stick and long hair and they didn't know much. And it was very, very, uh, uh, just a little bit evolved off Neanderthal kind of thing, you know? Very, very... And no technology, no knowledge of science, none of that. They, they, they show us lies because they know very well that they knew back then how to do all the things that they're doing today. It just took them. See, it's interesting because they had that technology then given to them by fallen angels. They had it. God put an end to it with the flood. Then there was a big reset. Let's call it a great reset, right? That was God's great reset. Humanity began again, and it took them thousands of years to reach back to the level of technology from the days of Noah. So trust me, they know what they had, what they lost back then, these wicked rulers that are still trying to, to do their coup today. They know exactly what they lost. They're trying desperately to get it back. They're so desperate to get it back that they did the same thing again. Back in the 40s, fallen angels showed up in their UFOs. Hey, governments went like, oh, this is interesting. What are those? Yeah, that's great. Let's have a meeting with them. Let's exchange. Could you give us technology? Of course we'll give you technology. Could you... Can we abduct a few humans in exchange? Like, we'll, we'll abduct them, do some experimentations on them, put them right back where we took them. They won't remember a thing. Uh, so do you allow us to do that? The government went like, yeah, yeah. You're going to give us technology? Yeah, we'll, you can take whoever you want. That's fine. And since the 1940s on, it's amazing how high technology has gone. Like, we went from... Like, think about it. Just the last 100 years, we're in 2021. Go back to 1921. How far the technology has advanced. And you want to hear something really scary? And I'm going to talk about that more in the more um, in further episodes because we're this is a series. Um, but uh, the, the technology that you hold in your hand, in the palm of your hand, your phone, is very advanced. Like we're fascinated by how it works, right? We're always on our phones and it's really impressive. Now, here's what is the kicker. And I'm going to talk more about that next episode. In reality, the governments, they are 120 years ahead of what you hold in your hand. 120 years ahead of that. And that information was given to us by phil schneider who is now dead i'll talk about him in the next episode as well so so what would the let's get back to the the movie if they made a real movie about noah it would condemn like i said these things it would condemn hybridization it would condemn godlessness it would condemn magic 
witchcraft, the occult, all these things it would condemn because that's why God put a term to that generation back then. So this is why Hollywood doesn't want to make a really accurate movie about the days of Noah because they'd basically be showing us Look at this. It's just like it is today. And uh, this is what God did back then. So obviously they're not going to do that, right? So they're going to put movies that are that are just telling a third of the real story of what, what really happened. I'm just going to check the comments before uh, uh, I, I go on. But uh, uh, thanks for being on, guys. I appreciate it. Um, Hi Patricia, nice to nice to have you on. I'm I'm really happy to that uh, you decided to join this broadcast. There's got a lot of information here um, that confirms the, the scriptures, a lot from the Book of Enoch, as you will uh, see as you listen. But this concludes this first installment of As in the Days of Noah, and next week we'll do another episode about that as we continue to delve into what is going on today and how does it relate to the Days of Noah and what were we really taught about the days of Noah? Was it really the way we've been taught or is there something that we were, were really missing here? Well, there's definitely something we're missing, uh, that they had access to some knowledge that was way beyond what we've been shown in, in uh, our little kitty books, uh, our little uh, uh, Fisher-Price, uh, Noah's Ark play sets and all these cutesy things that they, they create about the Noah, nothing wrong with Fisher Price Noah playset, but uh, you know what I mean. Uh, my my son is twelve years old, and and I teach him the stuff. I mean, I, I when I teach him about Noah, I teach him about the Nephilim. I teach him about these fallen angels because I want him to know the real the real story. What really happened when when the Bible says that the whole earth had corrupted its way? What really happened? So this is where we find ourselves today. We're at that uh, that juncture in history where we're seeing a lot of that come back, a lot of that in droves happening now. And uh, it's very interesting. We are living in interesting times, uh, no matter how you take that uh, uh, saying, I think it was a Chinese saying, some say it's a, it's like a curse. And when you say, that, may you live in interesting times, like basically saying you live in dire, dire straits, difficult times, but, no matter how you interpret it, we're living in interesting times. I mean, um, the things that are happening right now, it's biblically epic proportions. I, I think that we're at a very important uh, juncture in history and um, we have to pay attention. I mean, uh, there's a saying, I once saw a, bu a bumper sticker that said, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Well, I think we're at that point in history right now where, uh, Christians, we need to become outraged, and but not just outraged, not just angry for the sake of being angry, but angry for the sake of doing something about it, for intercession, for uh, information, spreading information, spreading knowledge, uh, wanting to do our homework, uh, wanting to get off our lazy, you know what, and 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 get up and do something and impact this generation for Christ in the right way, in the right way. So I hope you appreciated this uh, this teaching about the days of Noah, and I hope to see you next week. Um, my name is Sebastian Richard, signing off for Thriving on Purpose. Be blessed and thrive on.